The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Welcome back, my friends. Thanks for joining us again uh, for another day as we spend a few minutes in God's Word. Uh, We're so glad you're with us and giving us the opportunity uh, to minister to you and encourage you in God's Word, and we're so glad you're with us. And uh, trust you're having a good week, and, uh, and if in the midst of battle, maybe you're struggling, that you can see God somehow in the midst of all of this. And that's really what we're referencing as we have been going for a couple weeks now through the book of Philippians. And on this Thursday, we're going to start into Philippians chapter number 2. Now, just a little bit of context so it gives you an idea of where we're going in chapter 2. We're using some thoughts that Warren Wearsby used. Warren Wearsby wrote in one of his uh, B-series, one of his commentators, commentaries, that uh, the theme of Philippians is joy. And then in one of his first thoughts, he says there are four joy robbers, things that steal our joy. And we mentioned in the first chapter that it's circumstances, and so that we can have joy over our circumstances. And, and we spent the last few episodes walking through how it is that Paul said that's possible. Again, joy is different than in happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. It'll come and go. Joy is based on the fact that if all my circumstances are good and some of them are not, I can still have joy because God loves me and he's engaged in, those, in the midst of those bad circumstances. Well, chapter two, we move to a second thought. According to the way Wearsby would put it, he says, now the second joy robber, joy stealer, whatever you you say, would be people, other people. And sometimes other people in different circumstances can rob you of your joy. Yes, and of your happiness. And many times, the struggles we have, the battles, the discouragement, the depression, anxiety, the things we find ourselves in can be based on circumstances, uh, but they, of course, also can be based uh, because of other people. It can be a coworker. It can be somebody on the road that you don't even know on the way to work today. It can be an empl- uh, a, cur- a fellow employee, a boss, family, um, politics. It could be something people can be. And, and unfortunately, we live in a sinful world. We're surrounded by sinful people. By the way, you're married to a sinful person and your, your spouse is married to a sinful person as well. We ourselves, well, we're all sinful. And so we have this nature that many times, if not filled with the Spirit and, and, and we allow it, can just drive us down the wrong road. And we all battle this. All of us battle this. So there are going to be times when people are a cause of our joy being lost. There's going to be times we are the cause of other people losing joy in circumstance. So what we have to do, as we mentioned the first one, is there's a mindset. There's a thinking that helps us to still find joy in the midst of these conflicts with other people. So let's go ahead and read the first few verses of chapter 2. I'm not sure if we'll unpack all four of these verses today, but let's, let's go ahead and begin anyway. Chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says this, if, therefore, if there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy. Fulfill you my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem mother better than themselves. Look not every man in his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. So Paul starts off with this challenge. Again, it's, a, it's written to the church, and so he's speaking to the church. And it's not, please understand, when we say he's writing to the church, this is not just, okay, this is how we should act in church. Uh, this is a life lesson. Please remember, we see the church, back in those days, churches were not always, you know, we see a church as a location. Okay, I'm a member of this church, and what that means, I, I attend a church, and this is the address and location, and it's like, well, for us, I, I'm a member of church right there in Richelieu Road, right there, 
um, down, right down the street from Street Road. That, that's what we would say here. And that's not necessarily the case. The church is a body. Now, please understand the body's been called out to be there, to attend and do fellowship at that church. But when he writes to this church, he's writing to the body, he's saying this should be true, yeah, when we attend church and when we serve at church, but this should happen and this should participate. Uh, we should be like this in every part of our life. As the church, we, go, we, we meet as a church and then we go out to the world as a church and we go out to the world to minister and to be encouragement to show them Jesus. And so these are truths that should not only apply while we attend church, they should apply in my home, in my marriage, at work, in every part of my life. Uh, so he starts off with saying, if we're going to be able to find joy um, out over sometimes what people may do, it starts with a very specific mindset. And unfortunately, here's what it is. It's a selfless mindset. You see, one of the greatest joy robbers when it comes to people could be me, could be you, could be ourselves. You see, if we have a perspective that we think things need to be a certain way, or we think we deserve something, or we think we're owed something, for whatever reason, we will be miserable. Um, because someone else thinks the same thing. If everybody thinks they deserve something and people should give it to them, or well, you're going to end up not having enough to give away. The, a selfish mindset will always lead to discouragement, to depression, to anger, to bitterness, because we always believe we deserve something. And if we have a selfish mindset, we will be always angered by other people because we feel like the world owes us. It's an entitlement mentality. The world owes me this. And there might be a valid reason. You might have had struggles growing up. Their history, you can look at history and say, because my people or whatever term you're going to use. But the fact is, the truth is, uh, we talked about this in church last night. If you become... If you are a product of your background, then you're missing out on something. You should not, we are not products of our background. We are products of how we respond to our background. If someone's hurt me and really hurt me, we say, well, I'm a product of that pain. No, 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 no. You're a product of your response to that pain. You can be angry and bitter and you can justify your anger and bitterness and, and, and hurt through a legitimate hurtful action. Or you can say, Lord, I need grace and you need God's grace, but I need God's grace to be able to move beyond that that's where we can find joy. And it comes down to that mindset. And it starts with this selfless mindset. So let's go ahead and look at the first couple of verses and unpack this. this is what Paul says. The, if, there, if there be therefore any counsel in Christ, he starts with the word if. This is a conditional clause. The premise behind this is, is simply this. This is not a guarantee. What Paul's describing for you that would be in your life, in your home, in your church, it's not a guarantee. If you want this, there, it's conditional. It can happen, but things need to be in place for this to happen. If there be consolation in Christ, if there be comfort of love, if there's fellowship of the Spirit, bowels of mercy, it's how we treat each other and how we receive it. He says, this has to happen, fulfilling my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Unity, very big deal, always mentioned. Unity is the source of joy. Unity is the source of strength and help. Please understand, there's a huge difference between uniformity and unity. unity. Unity does not demand that we think alike. Unity does not demand that we believe all the same thing. We can come from political backgrounds, we can come from social backgrounds, and we can sit in church and view different aspects of the world differently. That doesn't mean we don't have to come in and all think alike and look alike and talk alike. That's, that's God created us to be too, created variety. He didn't create that. And he's not asking for that. You think about a, a, some kind of athletic team, a football team. You put a bunch of people on a line and they're trying to go score to get to the goal line. Right? Uh, they're not all in agreement. They may not even agree on a lot of things, but they have one thing going. They're working towards the same purpose to get to the goal line. 
Every sport's like that. That's the way we should be. Uniformity is I become like somebody else. It's conformity. Unity is not that I always agree, but I have a purpose, and there's a purpose that drives us in the same direction. So he says here, he goes, you have to have, he goes, that you be like-minded, same love, one accord, one of mine. You have a same purpose, a goal. And what is that in Christianity? It's not a political thing. It's not a social thing. It is Jesus. And can I tell you one of the greatest goals that will drive us is not that we fill our building, it's that we make heaven full. We reach the lost. We help them to see that. We give them what God has given us. Help them to recognize what God wants for their life. That one goal should drive us beyond any difference. And that's the beauty of this mystery of the church. That we, we can come from different backgrounds and love each other and grow each other, become great friends, not because we're all agreement on all the little things, because we have a purpose that drives us in the same direction. And that's unity, a cause greater than me, a cause greater than others. But how do we get this? He says in verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. I'm telling you, there's conflict. He starts off, don't do things through strife or vainglory. And by the way, strife and vainglory go together. I want things. I want to look good. I want things my way. Everything needs to look the way I want, sound the way I want. I want it my way. And that desire of getting what you want and being recognized becomes strife. Don't let anything be done that way. But in loneliness of mind, place yourself below. Um, let each esteem other better than themselves. I look at other people, and the needs of that person are more important than mine. The desires of that person, the preference of that person are greater than mine. We live in a culture where we're entitled. I get this, and I want that, I want that. It will bring strife. It will bring vainglory. It will bring battle in your marriage. It'll bring battle in your home as a parent or a, or a child. It'll bring battle at school, work, church. Everywhere you'll be battled, and you will struggle, and, and other people will steal your joy because your joy is based on you getting what you want. And you will never truly en enjoy life or even find happiness because it, when getting what I want, always having things my way, well, it's limited. I get it for a short period of time, generally on my birthday. And that's about it, right? Because that's not the way God designed us, not the way He designed life. Let's look at verse 4. Look not every man in his own things, but every man also in the things of others. Here's what he says. Look not, focus not every, every man on his own needs, desires, preferences, wishes. But focus every man also on those desires, needs of others. You see, here's the premise. God says if you want to find joy over other people, don't let other people control you. You have a heart for other people. A desire. Focus on the needs, the struggles, the concerns of other people more than you. Let God take care of yours. That's when you can begin to have joy over other people. If your focus is on you getting and you having, you will struggle. If your focus is on encouraging and serving others, that's where it begins to change. And, and he'll talk, sorry, tomorrow we'll look into a bit how he, we see this mindset in Jesus and how he was the example of this. But it all starts with a selfless mindset. If you go into life wanting and thinking you deserve something, you will struggle, I promise you. Because people aren't just going to bend down and say, here you go, this is what you want. They shouldn't. Uh, that's not the way God designed. We are to serve others, not to demand service. When you serve others, you yourself will be happier. I guarantee that. If you're always saying, I want, I deserve, I should get, you'll never always get. Because the moment you get what you want, you'll want more. It's our human selfish nature. And if we allow that nature to drive us, we will be miserable. If we get the heartbeat of Jesus that we're going to see in chapter 2, we'll see a joy that is counterculture, it's not natural, 
But it's, it's beautiful. It's God's design. And we will see how the world just does not understand what God, the joy and contentment and fulfillment that God desires to offer us. Thanks again for joining us on this Thursday morning, giving me the opportunity to be part of your day. I greatly appreciate it. I love the Word of God. It's not always easy to do what the Bible says, but it is where we find fulfillment and joy. We hope this will help at least something to consider as we see what God teaches us in His Word. Thanks again for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.